0: Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Um, Today we have um, Nate, Stacy, and Rick with us to um, lead the panel, and we will start off um, with Nate from New Orleans.
1: I'm an alcoholic. My name's Nate. Hi hey. kept. Hey. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. I love y'all too. It's very sweet. Um, so uh, I've been kept sober since June 11th of 2000. Uh, I got served when I was 18 in Shreveport, Louisiana. I currently live in New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, and my home group is a Friday night young people's group uh, there in New Orleans that we kind of recently got started. And so I'm very kind of, you know, honored uh, to be here and was asked to speak and share. I just want to kind of throw out there, I'm not currently involved in a PI committee right now. I have served on a PI committee in the past uh, when I lived in Lafayette, Louisiana, when I was in college. Um, I'm actually currently Maybe on the other side of the whole, um, professional community outreach scene, I'm doing my residency, um, in anesthesia in New Orleans right now. Uh, so I'm kind of busy with that and I'm not, I'm not involved in committees, uh, per se, uh, in that level right now. Um, but in terms of this topic, I think it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's interesting to me that it, it, we can talk about a tradition. Um, at meetings and, 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 and kind of get, uh, go over those principles. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, on a public level, we're anonymous. Um, the idea behind, uh, anonymity is, is, is a, is an idea that I have found that I appreciate more and more the longer I stay sober. And in a 12 and 12, When we read about this tradition, when we read about the 12th tradition, it talks about the spiritual substance of anonymity as sacrifice and sacrificing our personal desires, uh, our ambitions, so that we can let the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous work through us and so that we can be of service to those around us. And, And the way that I can do that is the way that I stay sober. It's the way that we stay sober. I was taught early on in my sobriety that... Alcoholics Anonymous isn't a program of 12 steps, or 12 principles. It's a program of 36 principles. And in order for me to have a stable sobriety, then I needed to kind of familiarize myself with the 36 principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. And there are 12 steps for my personal recovery. There are 12 traditions for a group to function as a unit so that it can reach out and help a newcomer. And there are 12 principles of world service so that A, can function and be here for future generations. And... First and foremost, when I have my ass on fire and I need to get sober, obviously I need to concern myself with the twelve steps and developing a relationship with myself, my Creator, and the and the people about me. And 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 I was fortunate enough to to get involved with a young people's group who at the time were having um, traditions meetings, along with meetings, our home group meeting that occurred on on Friday night, and we as a group would weekly meet and discuss uh, we would we would meet and, and discuss about the traditions and, and I learned a lot in early on and and it can be simple and I like that it can be simple we we as individuals are in trouble we go to alcoholics anonymous which is a group of people who have a solution to our problem and And they teach us that in order to stay sober, we can live by 12 steps, 12 spiritual principles, and we can put those in our life in a practical manner, and that if we do that, we can develop a relationship with God and we can stay sober. And through experience, the early members of AA found that they were better able to stay sober in a group, and they were better able to reach out to other alcoholics as a group. And so the 12th step can naturally lead into the first tradition, which is one of unity, where individuals come together and form a group. And so from there we would discuss, well, how does, and so if if the individual stays sober by the 12 steps, then how does the group function and carry its message? And so it does that by the traditions. Well, how would a group of people with all individual personalities uh, practically get together and practice those things in order to reach out to newcomers and, and, and help other alcoholics? And so because it's composed of individuals, it, it would stand to reason that the individuals in that group would have to have a dedication and a devotion to learn about those traditions and to try to put those into practice in their own lives and in the group as it functions on a group level through committees. Um, and so we kind of studied the the 12 and 12 and read about the traditions and came up with different scenarios Uh and played out, uh, different ways, uh, we could, we could practice those traditions. And, and the, the frame, the, the kind of the framework that, that I was taught when I, when I first got sober about how the traditions work is really, and I, and I like to think about it still, is that the fifth tradition is kind of five and six are kind of in the middle of the traditions and it's, you know, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. And so really the other traditions are there to kind of surround that and support that. And that's really the the purpose of why we're here. That's, I mean, if you get down to the very basics of it, even Icky Paul, we're here so that we can carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, and specifically Icky Paul's message that 20 plus years of suffering isn't necessary. That the people who came before us um, have have been through enough suffering, and are here to spare us that suffering. They kind of have gone through it for us, and we can raise our bottom and get sober now. Um, and be saved that 20 years of of suffering that they went through. And so the traditions really are there to support that purpose for a group to carry its message. And it's pretty clear when, when you read the 12 and 12 that just like an individual who doesn't practice spiritual principles and doesn't kind of, you know, work the steps and chooses to kind of do his own, his or her own thing doesn't stay sober. I mean, that's, I've seen it. Um, I'm sure. Plenty of people in this room have seen that, and it's a, an unfortunate fact. And and also groups are the same way. Groups have to have a framework by which they can. Uh, but I mean, let's face it; it's full of alcoholics. And if I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us are here. I would imagine at least because they're familiar with committee work and they're familiar with the types of egos that can be involved in committee work. And 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 really to think about it on a on a bigger scale i guess the fact that a group of, of of egomaniac can can come in a room and accomplish anything much less something is as, as organized and as uh, uh powerful as a convention like this is is a miracle if you think about it and and the way that happens is by those individuals investing and learning about those traditions and, and carrying their message um, and so we kind of go through this this framework and, and i like it, it's it's really neat to read about the traditions because it, they're they're kind of intrinsically bound in the history of Alcoholics Anonymous and they were forged through experience and the the twelve and twelve was written later and Bill sobriety and uh, published in fifty five and he'd kind of been sober for a while and and had some more experience with uh, with this phenomenon that was Alcoholics Anonymous which was miraculous and was able to affect alcoholics in a way that nothing. Uh, up until that point in history, had been able to work with alcoholics, And so he, he lays forth these ideas by which a group can uh, can carry out its function and by which AA can continue to survive. And, and, and if I'm here to be sober and to get over myself and my own personal ambitions and my own personal desires so that I can be a vessel of God's work and to be a service of maximum use to my fellow man, um, then it, then it makes sense if I'm going to continue to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and be sober, that I need to examine my function in the bigger framework of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so, I'm, I'm grateful that I had a sponsor early on that kind of helped me see that there were, in fact, 36 principles and that there is a way for me to, uh, function in a group. And it's not necessarily to bring Nate to the table and let everybody at the table know me and how great my ideas are. It really is so that, um, so that I can have a way to be of service to another alcoholic and so that I can grow spiritually from that and so that, so that we can continue to have this wonderful, that, I mean, it still, when I think about it, it blows my mind. A stockbroker in the thirties. I was able to relate to his story when I read the big book, when I was 18 years old, um, high school dropout. Uh, and so to be able to preserve that for our present and future posterity is, is a pretty important thing. And so then we get to something like, you know, attraction versus promotion and, and public information and cooperation with the professional community and anonymity. And I mean, I think that the anonymity at the public level, of the press, radio, and films is pretty straightforward. There's no, like, spokesperson for AA. When a general public member hears the word AA, there's not, like, an individual that pops in their mind that, like, oh, this person is AA, and that's what AA is all about. There is kind of, like, a, like, an aura. Um, it's maybe a nebulous thing, not really well defined, unless you've kind of been introduced to it. And, and really, and that in and of itself is remarkable, that something that has been as valuable to society as AA doesn't have some <laughs> crazy egomaniac coming in and taking credit for everything. Which is really, I think, what our natural instinct would be if we weren't in touch with those principles that that give us life and that give our fellowship life. And so um so it's pretty straightforward that on that level, the the public level, that we remain anonymous. And that we don't have a spokesperson. And that really, uh, early on there was a transition that, uh, people kind of spoke for us. Um, uh, you know, the, the Washington Post uh, article, um, other people, uh, who were credible in society said, these people have something that works. And if you need help with this, then go to them. And and today, uh, what my experience working in, in public information has been that uh, we're there to provide a service um, and we don't go around uh, preaching, saying uh, you know well we need to just kind of make uh, alcohol legal and we need to find uh, all the people. Um, that are not you know acting a certain way in society and and letting them get sober, what we do is we we kind of let our presence be known. Um, we We kind of use public uh, outreach, go to uh, doctors, offices, um, clergy members, uh, churches, um, If a school wants to come ask our opinion about something, they can get us maybe a, a speaker to go talk, and then we can kind of set up on a very you know basic level somebody to go talk um and it's kind of understood that uh that person is not a spokesperson for AA however they're there um kind of like a like people were there for me when I got sober they're there as a as a source of information for somebody who might need help in the future and that was my experience working in a, in a local uh district on a district level committee with public information and cooperation with the professional community um in my personal life today how that works out because I'm not serving on a committee right now. Is simply, um, in order for me to function at work, in order for me to function in my daughter's life and in my ex-wife's life and in my friends' lives and in my family's lives, is that I well, I need to be sober. I need to be practicing the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I need to be present and available for them. Um, and so it kind of begs the question of what's what is attractive um, in that respect. And it's not, it's not, uh, it's not a suffering alcoholic who is, uh, who is dry and who is, um, wrapped up in self and unable to be present and available for the people in their lives. That's not what is attractive in general. And so I have a personal responsibility to stay sober and work the steps and in my own life and at work, I'm known as, as an individual who doesn't drink. I mean, it, it's, in, uh, in my profession, it's kind of hard to not be in a social aspect with other people that I work with. And so, I'm known as a person who doesn't drink. Um, and, and I don't really promote, uh, like, I don't represent myself as, like, an AA member, and, like, I'm the AA guy, and if people have questions about AA, they don't come to me, but they do know that I'm, sober, and I've been able to, through my education and through my training, I have uh, had other people kind of ask me, so tell me about you being sober, you know, and, and because I think in today's society, there is somewhat of an awareness of what Alcoholics Anonymous is, what 12-step programs are, and how they kind of function in society, and, and, and I'm just kind of You know, because again, I'm not on a I'm not on a committee currently. I'm just kind of trying to talk about my experience today about attraction, promotion, and public information. Um, The way that that works for me is, yeah, I'm there. I participate. I try to be a sober member in society, and and a resource for people who might have questions about wanting to get sober. Um, So. I'll say that. I'll also say that when I first got sober, I was 18 years old and I had no responsibility, and it was very easy for me to kind of devote myself completely to committees in Alcoholics Anonymous and and participate in a more organized fashion in NAA to um, to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so, one of the uh, I guess ideals. That has been part of my sobriety, a, a kind of a goal that I wanted to do through being sober and through knowing that that the twelve steps can work in, in someone's life, is to remain sober and to kind of be there and be an example for another individual in the future um, that might need help. And so, I am—I happen to—so I'm, I'm learning how to practice anesthesia, and so anesthesia happens to be one of the medical fields where. Uh, drug abuse is higher in incidence than other fields. It, so psychiatry, emergency medicine, and anesthesia have higher rates of addiction and drug abuse than other fields. And so I have talked to uh, some of my mentors in the profession that have been there longer than me, that are essentially, I guess, my sponsors at work and my sponsors professionally, and and i and i can I confide in them and 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 there will be a way um once I'm through with training for me to uh contribute in a unique way to the group of physicians that I work with and to be there um, in the capacity that I can uh be an example uh, and let Alcoholics Anonymous work um, at a professional level in my own personal life and so I feel like um I feel very blessed and uh, and I can see that when I look at my journey, how my experiences in sobriety have uh have kind of got me to a point where I can one day when I'm through with training, kind of give back uh, some of the things that have been given to me uh, in a way that I was able to do uh, when I first got sober, and that's really i'm I was kind of when I read who was going to be talking on the panel today with me, I was pretty excited uh I know that these guys are currently involved in service um, more than I am now, and I was really kind of interested in hearing what they had to say. So thank you for letting me talk.
0: Thank you, uh, Nate. Uh, next up, we have Stacy from uh, Phoenix.
2: Hi, everybody. Stacy Penthocolic. And I love you too. I love that. That's so cool. Um, I've been sober since May 29th of 1988, and for that I'm very grateful. Um, thank you to the committee for asking me to share today. Um, it's really quite an honor and a privilege, um, to be asked to do this and, and to participate in Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, gosh, just to look, li- just to be able to live, you know? Um, I didn't really have that option when I came here and I was thinking about the young people in Alcoholics Anonymous that I saw last night having fun and, um, and what an experience. You know, I thought to myself, God, you just don't want to miss that. And, um, you know, when I got here to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was 24 years old and I hadn't planned on living that long. I was kind of hoping for an early death. Um, <laughs> you know, like look good and die. A, Nice-looking corpse is sort of my motto is what it was at the time. And, you know, I just didn't really expect to be here, never mind stay. And, um, you know, uh, I was thinking about attraction rather than promotion. I was not attracted to Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, my sister came to me at 18 years old and said, you know, I'm uh, I'm sober and I'm going to AA. And I thought, don't ruin your life that way. You know, just don't, you know. And um, and what happened is for the next five years... Um, she uh, talked to me a little bit here and a little bit there about my drinking and, and the way that I was living and the way that I treated people. And I didn't really particularly care for her or her friends in AA, and I thought they were stupid, boring, and glum, and I wanted no part of it. And um, and I'll tell you why I thought they were stupid, boring, and glum. And I know this now, 25 years later, but I didn't know it then. Is they scared me. They knew something. They knew something, and I didn't know what it was. And but you couldn't help but watch them. You couldn't help but watch what they were doing, you know, and she was living a much better life than I was living. And um, so what I can tell you is that um, she 12-stopped me, and she took me to my first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I hated it. I knew I'd overcorrected. And um, she came back the next day and said, let's go again. And I thought, so soon. <laughs> um, you know, and so, um, but, but what happened for me is that um, you guys are laughing. You know, you're having fun. And you guys were doing things in your life that I couldn't imagine doing. You, know, you talked about you know, coming in at 18 and growing up and going to school and, and living your dream. And, and those people were doing that in the meetings about Cops Anonymous where I went. And um, and they scared me too. And so I sat in the back of my, I still do it with my arms crossed and scowled and said, I don't want what you have and I don't want to go to coffee. I don't want your phone numbers, no hugs. Um, and I don't want to live my life. Um, going to dances in Alcoholics Anonymous. And one day at a time I came back, and one day at a time you guys did um attract me into Alcoholics Anonymous. because um, I didn't want to live the way I was living. Um, and you know, um I uh, and I have to tell this little story in, in the midst of all this, is that you know, I have a sponsor and, and she lives in Minneapolis and um her name's Jane Hart and she's a... Uh, she's um when she talks to me, she talks to me in very simple terms so that I can understand. Because I complicate things. And um, I talked to her on Monday morning at 7 o'clock like I do every morning. And I said, Jane, I'm a little nervous about this talk on Saturday. You know, I said, I'm talking with the dude from GSO. And she goes, Stacy, he works for you. <laughs> And, you know, and at that point I was like, oh, okay. And, and I get down here this morning, I meet Rick, and he knows my sponsor, you know. Um, you know, and that's the way this thing works, you know. And I'll always be so grateful for that or for the little miracles. And, um, you know, so, um, and I, uh, I learned the traditions from a sponsor in, um, in Des Moines, Iowa. is where I sobered up. And, um, you know, for a long time I went to AA, and I thought that I could stay sober um, on a, a, a little prayer, A few meetings and being able to find my car on a daily basis. And, um, I was really grateful for that. And, um, what happened, um, you know, at about seven years sober after, um, sort of working the steps and going to meetings was that, um, my butt was falling off and, um, I was dying in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and what that sponsor did for me is she's, is I asked this lady to be my sponsor and she was, like I always say, probably the meanest person in Des Moines, Iowa, um, and AA. Um, but she um, she gave me she gave me something that um, that I will always be grateful for. Um, she sat me down and she took me through the steps. She took me through the book about Alcoholics Anonymous. She sat me down. Um, well, she sat down a bunch of us and took us through the twelve traditions. And um, she taught us about being of service, how to carry this message. And um, for me, I'm not a smart alcoholic, so I keep doing the same things over and over and over again, expecting different results. And um, what she did is um, she literally, you know, sat down and taught us about, you know, this is what you do. This is where you go. Get informed. Read the manual. (laughs) Read your service manual, you know. um, And when I became the PI rep, I'm currently serving as the Arizona area's um, public information coordinator. You know, when I got that information from GSO, I sat down and started trying to read my manual. I start or the book the workbook, I guess. Um, I started trying to read the information, um, the pamphlets, so that I can get informed about what the job it is that I have today, you know, and um, you know, so I'll always be grateful because that sponsor taught me how to do that. And um but she used to talk to us a lot about being an attraction in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um every time we'd do something stupid she'd say um, you know, way to be an attraction, Stacy. you know, um, you know, um, you know, I freaked out in the airport one day and she, and, and my daughter had gone kind of crazy. She was three and I was coming in from Kansas city and she went bananas and I just had a moment, you know, with my little three-year-old and, um, you know, and I went home and told her about that. And, and she started talking to me about being an attraction in every area of my life. Um, you know, in Alcoholics Anonymous, in my home group. Um, and you know, today I have a home group and it's the Happy Valley Group. We meet at I-17 and, um, Happy Valley Road, um, every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And, um, and I, and I love that group. Um, it's a pocket of enthusiasm. And, um, you know, and I come from a pocket of enthusiasm from Des Moines, Iowa. And, and what that sponsor talked to me a lot about was, um, like I said, you know, being an attraction, carrying the message. And, um, you know, she literally taught me how to work with others. And, and I'll always be grateful for that. Um, and then she got tired of us and said, go get a job. You know, go and be in service. And, um, you know, and so I started doing that. And, and I've had lots of opportunity to uh, to be of service in Alcoholics Anonymous, whether it's working one-on-one, um, uh, working on a committee, working on a conference committee, um, you know, being involved in the area, um, you know, and doing those kinds of things. And, and when we moved to Arizona, I didn't know anybody. And I was afraid of disappearing. I was afraid that, um, you guys were different. You did things different. You did meetings different. And I was afraid that I would just stop going to meetings. And so I threw myself into working with others and, um, you know, and then a little while later, um, I got a job, um, at the intergroup and, um, you know, um, and I'll tell you what has happened for me is I've learned so much, um, about the area, um, here in Arizona. And, um, Last year, um, our PI rep stopped, had to step down, and, and I stood for that position and was voted in. And, and um, I th- thought I knew about PI, <laughs> you know, and I had to learn a few things, you know. I had to read that manual. And, um, you know, uh, um, and, and I started um, attending the meeting, uh, the, the CPC meeting here in Phoenix, and, uh, you know, all my cronies are sitting out there, and, um, you know, there's the committee and are part of it. And, um, you know, and I think that they thought I was going to come and, and help them. But really what I can tell you is that they've helped me. Um, they've taught me about PI work and how we do that. And and I think the biggest thing is that, you know, when we, uh, when we carry this message, um, well, it's so important to carry this message. It's so important to carry it. Outside the rooms about Alcoholics anonymous, and um, we have to do that with anonymity, and we have to protect that anonymity, and that's our job is to protect that. Um, you know, so and what I love about our committee is they train people to go out and and talk to the clergy or the schools, and you know they make sure that there's a little training session so that when you go out there, you know what it is you're supposed to be doing. Um, you know, and I'm grateful for that um, because. What I get concerned about is that you know when when we as Alcoholics members of Alcoholics Anonymous are in um, a group and we're talking to professionals or people outside of Alcoholics Anonymous is that they get um, I don't how how other another word to say this but so that they get like Nate said that the message of Alcoholics Anonymous not the individual you know um, we're we have to protect that anonymity. Um, and I've said that 18 times, but I'll say it again. Um, you know, so, and, and I was also thinking about, um, anonymity and, and that, uh, it, and Carrie talked about it so well last night in that meeting last night. Um, she talked about self-sacrifice. And that, you know, when we carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, whether it's through PI, whether it's through intergroup, whether it's on a conference, no matter what it is, you know, that we we have to be self-sacrificing. And, um, you know, she talked about uh, self-sacrificing in Alcoholics Anonymous and answering your phone when it rings or, um, you know, going to the workshop. Um, sharing when you don't want to share, um, you know, doing all those things in Alcoholics Anonymous. And, um, you know, I, I'll, again, you know, that sponsor said, if you're asked, you say yes, you don't say no, you know. And, um, it, the other thing that, um, I was thinking about with anonymity is that, you know, we have to sacrifice on the group level, um, in our committees and on a personal level to not be the messiah of AA. You know, um, you know, it's our job to, um, let, to let Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't even know how to say that, to let Alcoholics Anonymous be the message, um, not me, you know. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'd like to be the message, you know. I'd like for you to adore me and, you know, and put me in the paper and, um, I mean, you know, but that's not what we're taught here, Um, you know. So uh, how much time do I have? Am I doing all right? I I sat down this morning and, and like I said, I was a little nervous about the talk, and, um, something happened for me that, um, that I'm always amazed how God works in my life. You know, I was, I've been doing some reading, knowing I'm going to talk about this and about anonymity and, and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, it, the thought that crossed my mind this morning is, a, is, um, humility. And do I have enough humility to carry the message about Calls Anonymous? And, and so I was doing a little prayer and meditation around that. And, and what happened for me this morning is, um, I picked up the daily reflections and it talked about humility as a gift and I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, um, a desire to feel and do God's will. And if I can do that, I don't need to search. Humility has found me, you know, and, um, and, um, I just thought that that was kind of cool because, you know, God has a way of entering into my life and into the work that we do here in Alcoholics Anonymous. And and that's the miracle of this thing, you know, um, And the other thing I thought about, too, was, you know, and and she mentioned this last night also in her talk Carrie did about, um, you know, if you're bored in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, you know, you're not, you don't have to be. You know, there's a lot of work to do. Um, There's a lot of PI work to do. There's a lot of committee work to do. And we need your help. Um, You know, there's lots of schools to go talk to. and, And there's just all kinds of work to be done. I mean, just putting packets together. Um, and you can be of service, you know, you can be of service from day one in this, in this deal. And, and, um, you know, for me to be of service means that I get to put you first and, um, I have to have a God in my life. And, um, and the other thing that kind of came to mind around this attraction rather than promotion, um, and I'm not a great historian. I can't tell you all the history. Um, I read it, it, it just doesn't stay there. Um, but what, what I was thinking about too, was that, you know, Enthusiasm is contagious. If we're enthusiastic about what we do in Alcoholics Anonymous, people will want to come do that with us. You know, um, if we have a smile on our face and we're enjoying our our uh, current job or our, wherever we're at, people will want to come and do that with us. And that's my experience. Um, you know, um, and I think that that's actually... What I wanted to cover in my talk today. So um, I don't know if I went my full 15, 20 minutes, um, but I'm going to turn it over to Rick because I want to hear what he has to say. Thank you.
0: And uh, to wrap us up, we have uh, Rick from uh, New York. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rick, and I'm an alcoholic. I love you, too. I'm uh, glad to be here and glad to be able to be able to participate on this workshop uh, about public information. Um, uh, and I I work at the General Service Office currently, and I, w- I got sober in the Fargo-Moorhead area uh, up in northern Minnesota and moved back to Minneapolis, which is where I met. Uh, Stacey's sponsor, and so, it, um, and, it, and we went to meetings together, and I was the intergroup office manager there, and she came and volunteered at the office. So uh, it was a great opportunity. Uh, I fell into a group when I started in AA that really talked about AA's three legacies uh, of recovery and unity and service and pressed us to get into service early on. Uh, And so one of the things that we did uh, was participate in the intergroup, uh, which was um, arranging uh, for young people to go and talk at schools uh, in in some of the uh, local areas. And so I had the opportunity, probably earlier than I should have, uh, to go and talk and share my story and talk a little bit about Alcoholics Anonymous at schools uh, in the area and and let um, folks in classes know what AA was, what we do, um, and what we don't do a little bit um, and and so the why of the public information was kind of carried to me early on. Public information really is about carrying the message, not one-on-one necessarily, uh, but to the general public so that there are folks out there who know what AA does, that we help alcoholics, um, and that they uh, then have the opportunity to share that message with alcoholics who might be in their family, in their friend. Uh, circle of friends, um, so that those folks can get to Alcoholics Anonymous. Back in the '60s, Bill wrote an article, um, uh, and he talked about estimating the number of alcoholics. And so there's, you know, there's an estimate of 10% of the uh, of the population is alcoholic, and there are, I think we just turned 7 billion uh, in the world, and if you take 10% of that, that's 700 million alcoholics out there. And the membership in AA is estimated at about 2 million. So there are a lot of people that we can reach uh, to share our message of hope and recovery with. And we're not going to always be able to do that one-on-one by our little uh, circle of the people that we know. So one of the things that we do is carry the message through the media um, and by sharing in those kind of general ways. And AA has been doing that from its early days. Um, Nate mentioned the Jack Alexander article, um, and I think about a couple of those early public information things where articles were written about Alcoholics Anonymous that really changed uh, the face of AA in some ways. In 1939, there was an article uh, called Alcoholics and God that, w- that um, brought a rush of inquiries to the General Service Office. Also in 1939, in Cleveland, there was a series about Alcoholics Anonymous that ran in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, uh, and that um, resulted in what Bill talks about, the, the start of sponsorship in AA, really People were, newcomers were assigned to other newcomers to help them and bring them along and share their experience, strength, and hope. And so that kind of one-on-one connection was made. Um, And in 1941, the Jack Alexander article was published in the Saturday Evening Post. Uh, AA membership was estimated about 2,000 at the beginning of 1942, 41, 42. Uh, But at the end of the year... Uh, was actually had actually jumped to about 8,000, so um, when we use the media and we are able to share our experience in that way, it has an impact on helping people get to Alcoholics Anonymous so that drunks have the chance to find out who we are and what we are uh, and to get sober. Um, and it is, um, um, so one of the things I would encourage you to do if you haven't, and, Probably everybody has uh, is to read AA Comes of Age. It is a fabulous book about the history of AA and really talks a lot about the principles and how we how they did public information and the reason for PI early on. Um, the so I've had opportunity on the local level to do some public information work, um, and now I work for the general service office. There are 11 staff assignments at GSO, and one of those staff assignments is the public information desk. Uh, Stacy mentioned when she um, uh, uh, started her assignment as the public information chair for the area, she got materials from GSO, and that's one of the things that the public information desk does there, is shares some of the experience. Uh, that's been collected in our literature with folks as they start those commitments so that they have uh, some resources to look at to see what's been done, what can we do, how do we do that, uh, and to share that experience. Um, so, the GSO works in a couple of different ways. We do a lot of um, stuff responding to questions and sharing experience with folks on the local level, uh, answering questions about how do we do a health fair uh, and share information and bring literature to a place where we've been invited to talk and share about it, Alcoholics Anonymous. We also have um, the opportunity to talk to folks on the national level about uh, media. And uh, I served on the PI desk a few rotations ago. Uh, every couple of years, the GSO staff moves into a new assignment, and actually that's happening Monday. So when I go back to the office, I packed up all my stuff out of my office, uh, my personal stuff last week. and when I go back Monday, I'll be in a new office. So it's always exciting at GSO. Um, but the uh, on the uh, on that assignment, you also get many requests from um, national-level media uh, contacts the General Service Office quite a bit, asking for information about AA, uh, and often asking, you know... One of the things that I think happens to us as we get into AA is that we get familiar with what happens in AA, uh, and we get to know what our traditions are, and we see how those traditions act out um, in our groups and among our memberships and in our service structure. And because we're familiar with it, we assume that other people know those same things. And that's really not the case. So one of the things that that the General Service Office uh, has the opportunity to do fairly often is to share our other traditions about not having an opinion on outside issues. When I was on the PI desk I got a call from a media, a, a national magazine, weekly magazine. Uh, Saturday Night Live had just agreed after a long hiatus that they were going to advertise hard liquor uh, on during the show on Saturday night. And so I got this request asking for Alcoholics Anonymous's opinion about that. Um, and so one of the things that it gave me an opportunity to do was to share that AA has no opinion on that sort of a thing. Uh, what AA does is help alcoholics to recover from alcoholism. But on the national level and at that level, we don't, uh, we have no opinion as a fellowship about that sort of thing. That's not what we do. We're not anti-alcohol. We're not pro-alcohol. Uh, we just help alcoholics to recover from alcoholism. So it's an opportunity to share that singleness of purpose with folks, um, and clarify some of that misinformation. Um, we also have the opportunity from time to time to view uh, in advance movie scripts. Um, somebody's doing a film about alcoholics uh, that contains a scene of an AA meeting or a movie uh, TV script that has a, a scene of AA. They want to use our material as props and they have some information uh, or a scene about AA in the, in the show. And uh, they submit that to us uh, for accuracy um, and that gives us an opportunity also to clear up that AA helps alcoholics recover from alcoholism. AA doesn't do, um, uh, recovery from drug addiction, although, you know, a lot of us happen to have that kind of thing going on in addition to our alcoholism, but our focus is alcoholism. We're not a combined program with some other 12-step fellowship. Uh, and so it gives us a chance to clear up some of that misinformation about what AA is. Um, One of the things that GSO also does is um, develop, uh, working with the trustees' public information committee, uh, public service announcements for Alcoholics Anonymous. One of the things that we get often, uh, so public service announcements are uh, radio or TV spots that run, that share information about what AA AA is, what we do, what we don't do, and how to get in touch with us. Um, They maintain the anonymity of individual AA members at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. Uh, And we've been doing uh, radio PSAs for quite a long time and TV PSAs since the mid-60s. And uh, so from time to time we get somebody. uh, And that is a way for us to be able to share information about AA with folks who may not know that AA exists. They run around the clock, so at 2 o'clock on Saturday morning when somebody is sloppy drunk, uh, they may be able to see a spot about Alcoholics Anonymous and call. Uh, Two of my, well, now two stories that I love, but one of the stories that I heard uh, when I was a few years sober is that there's a man who lives in the uh, southern Minnesota area where I got sober um, who was a ski bum living up in northern Minnesota and uh, on the verge of divorce with his wife who happened to be a local radio DJ who played a spot about Alcoholics Anonymous that he heard uh, and got sober. Um, And uh, at the last general service conference, one of the delegates um, got up and said that she had seen a TV public service announcement about Alcoholics Anonymous. And that had been the prompt for her to call Alcoholics Anonymous to get help. And she's been sober since she saw that spot. So this... Works to help carry the message of AA, um, and uh, so. But from time to time, we get people who call up and say, um, "You know, I just saw a TV uh, commercial for Alcoholics Anonymous, and I thought we didn't do that sort of thing, and and that's promotion." Um, and so, there's a very fine line we need to look at uh, when we do public service uh, or any sort of public. Um, announcements or speaking about what it is the message that we're carrying and what is it that we're saying when we're when we're making that uh, connection with the general public. And we um, you know, as Bill talks about, and I think Stacy and Nate both talked about is that when we're sharing in the public, we're sharing. Uh, with a humility about what Alcoholics Anonymous is. We're sharing that we have a solution, that we're not the only solution, that we're not the best solution necessarily, but that we have found a way out, that we offer to others who want and need it. Um, And it's really a way for us to kind of clarify and let people know who and what we are. Um, So, uh, And GSO provides tools, to local. Um, uh, one of the other things I want to mention is that um, from time to time we get a, a, a celebrity or a sports figure may mention that they're a member of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, in the press. And sometimes those, we get an angry, and sometimes not so angry, but a letter coming to the general service office saying, you know, so-and-so broke their anonymity and you should uh, I don't know what you should do. Um, you know, take a cat of nine tails to them or something. Um, and uh, and one of the things that we do when when that happens is that we uh, ha- rather than our office uh, writing, um, we try to keep this as personal and simple as possible. What we do is we contact the area delegate uh, in the place where the person um, where if we see that it is an anonymity break, and that's one of the other pieces of that question, but. When somebody has broken their anonymity, what we do is we write to the area delegate and ask them if they want to make contact with this person to share a little bit about our anonymity tradition. Uh, Most often people are um, not familiar, you know... We come into AA and we assume that everybody finds out what AA is and what we do and what we're not, and they know about the tradition of anonymity at the public level, and particularly new people may not necessarily know that, and they're excited about being sober and they want the whole world to know, and somehow they're going to be the example that changes lives around the world, Um, and that may not be the case, but it is an opportunity for us to help um, let folks know what that tradition is um, and remind folks that we're anonymous at the public level. Uh, the other thing is that sometimes somebody might just mention that they're sober uh, and uh, or not drinking um, and that not, is not necessarily an anonymity break. An anonymity break is really revealing our membership in Alcoholics Anonymous at the public level uh, and how far you can go um, in talking about participating in a fellowship of uh, sober alcoholics is an individual question that each of us needs to decide for ourselves at what point um, that becomes uh, an an anonymity break. I can certainly say, you know, if I say my name is Rick and I'm a member of Alcoholics and the Rick Walker and I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and I'm being interviewed by the New York Times and that gets reported, certainly that's an anonymity break, but there are really uh, gradations in that, where um, people need to think about. Um, and the other thing that GSO uh, does is really provide tools for local, um, for local uh, folks who are carrying the message uh, and on committees and doing that work on the local level. Uh, Public service announcements are one of those tools that a local committee can get a radio public service announcement or a TV public service announcement and bring it to their local station uh, and share that information and offer that to that uh, station to be able to play on, uh, uh, you know, on the air uh, in a local community. There are guidelines and workbooks that share about what those things are. There's a wonderful pamphlet called Speaking at Non-AA Meetings um, that really, uh, I, I think, talks a lot about why we do public information. It's really a great resource. In addition to that, there's a list of frequently asked questions. Uh, One of the things that um, folks I think sometimes are concerned about is how do I respond to a question about Uh, what is alcoholism if somebody asks me that, and what's what's an appropriate response to that? Uh, And so that gives an opportunity to do that. Um, AA is more than a set of spiritual principles, Bill wrote. It's a society of alcoholics in action. And being involved in public information is one of those ways that we can take action to carry the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I, you know, we don't have to do this stuff alone. We can share this um, uh, with a committee on the, working on the local level to talk about what is it that we want to do, where do we want to focus our efforts. Uh, there's a list of suggested topics uh, and areas where we might do the, that work on the local level in the workbook. So there are opportunities to see what it is that we can do. As an individual, I can also share um, and do some of that work uh, myself. One of the um, one of the pieces that one of the things that um, many committees do is leave AA literature in public libraries, make sure that there's a book stocked in the library. One of the things that I've done personally is made sure that my doctor's office has an AA grapevine in their waiting room so that when somebody's sitting in there waiting for the doctor They have the opportunity to read some stories of of what Alcoholics Anonymous is and what we do. Um, That's a simple way to share some of that information about AA. So um, really, all of the efforts that we do in public information are about carrying the message of Alcoholics Anonymous, letting folks know that there is a way out, that that we don't need to drink ourselves to death, um, that there's a way to find sobriety uh, and to live a life that is wonderful, Uh, fulfilling life. And I think that's what I have to share as well. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast
0: is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting
1: by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.